Hi everyone, welcome to Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Tyson and I were just talking about whether we should introduce ourselves at the start of every episode like we always do, and uh, we realized that I guess maybe we should since there might be new people hopping in all the time, but we shouldn't do it the same way all the time. So today, uh, we're gonna just going to start with uh, me saying uh, this long spiel, and I'm Alex. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. That's, that's wonderful. I noticed you said my name earlier. <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> Would you like to say it again? Yeah, sure. It happens to be Taisei. Oh, uh, all right. Let's. Uh, so there we go. That's the fresh new intro of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Spice things up. Uh, Come back next week, and you'll see how we introduce ourselves then. Yeah, just the intrigue. The intrigue. Um. Yeah. So let's let's get right into it. It's Blue Jackets week. <laughs> <laughs> Just an absolutely miserable team. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you say that like it's school spirit week or something. It's Blue Jackets week. Yeah, mark it on your calendars, yeah, everyone. Yeah, exactly. You should mark it on your calendar because we got the we got a whole bunch of fucking the canon that everybody loves hates. Yeah, just terrible. What a dumb bit. Um, but yeah, this this team uh, is injured to shit, uh, and even if they were healthy, I wouldn't be. You know, they wouldn't be very good. But uh, now that they're injured, they're just as bad. So. Where 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 shall we start? That seems pretty harsh about a team that got five out of a possible six points this week, two zero and one to skyrocket up the standings into tied for twenty eighth in the league. Uh, so what do you have to say for yourself? I think I have to say for my they they played a bunch of weak teams, um, and in the Islanders, the Flyers, and the Habs, and they didn't they didn't win very convincingly. I I gotta say in in any of them, uh. They could have lost all of them in regulation. Maybe not the Habs. Well, even the Habs game, they weren't. I don't think they were the better team throughout. So, you know, if the goaltending had gone either way, which wasn't good for the Black, the Blue Jackets either. It's just, uh, yeah, just just all around. I don't really see the strengths of this team, even though they managed to bag five points other than, you know, Johnny Goudreau's still pretty good. And this is a very young team. Yeah. I don't know if you could tell I was being a little facetious before talking uh, about the five points in six games. Of course. Mm. I, I, I figured. I don't think they are very good. I'd be concerned if you bought it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here they come. He didn't buy the Sabres, but he buys this shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway, so the first game of the week was a 4-3 overtime loss to the New York Islanders, who actually somehow have a pretty good record at this point, although I think they are kind of coming back to earth these days, um, as evidenced by the fact they needed overtime to beat the Blue Jackets. Uh, but anyway, as for Columbus, with injuries on defense, Zach Wierenski, as we talked about last week, Adam Boquist, Jake Bean, and Nick Blankenberg, who it's a bad sign that Nick Blankenberg is notable enough to mention that he's injured. Uh, the lineup included on defense the likes of Jacob Christensen, uh, Gavin Bayreuther, and of course Eric Goodbranson, as well as uh, Marcus Bjork, who made his NHL debut in this game, the undrafted 24-year-old. Yeah, no, just uh, an absolute shit show. I think Wierenski was having a really nice season before he got injured. I think they said he's out with us for the season now. Yep. Uh, with like a torn labrum. Uh, but uh, you know, you speak of Marcus Bjork, he scored a goal in this game. So there we go. He's That's just why I good. mentioned him. He's so. just as good as Wierenski. Um, yeah, let's get into the game. Uh, you know who stood out for me from the Islanders? Brock Nelson. Uh, he was. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He had a whole bunch of chances. Uh, and yeah, so he he had a breakaway at one point, didn't score, and then ended up scoring right after. Uh, from from fucking Scott Mayfield. But I'll start with Cole Sillinger, who scored the first goal of the game on the power play. Uh, very nice. He was all alone in front of Sorokin and just kind of wrapped it around him off of a rebound. 
Uh, so score to one nothing. Then, as I said, Nelson scored to make it one one. Um, yeah. And then uh, you know I saw Johnny Gaudreau in in between uh, that that second goal of the game and the third one. Uh, you just uh, you know you notice him that he's clearly driving the offense still. You know he's uh like off of the rush, but you know he's making passes. Uh, as as a playmaker, he's just uh, yeah, he still looks very good. The problem is the surrounding cast around him stinks. So you know, I don't think he's regressed in any particular way. I just think he just went to a way worse team. Um, Emil Bensham fucking scored on a breakaway, uh, and it was a nice little play by Gustav Nyquist to set that up. Brock Nelson uh, scored scored again, fucking two two, um, off of a fucking terrible rebound by Jonas Corposalo, uh, and. Yeah, Sorokin got injured, I think, at one point. But and then, uh, what was it? Marcus Bjork. That was, that was the Marcus yeah, Bjork. Yeah, it was. Uh, nice little slap shot. Good shit. Uh, yeah, interestingly, in this game, uh, Columbus uh, scored the first goal. The Islanders tied it. Columbus went up three times. The Islanders tied it every time before overtime. Um, on up to this point, though, as on for Goudreau, I had like the exact the exact same thought as you because there was one play in particular. Because uh, I think his uh, like Boone Jenner is his center. Who's playing on the other Benchum. wing? It's it's. But Ken Johnson got some minutes in the last game. But yeah, it's yeah. Benchum. Well, we'll yeah. get to Ken Johnson for yeah. sure, uh, because Ken Johnson is good. But anyway, I'm right. Um, uh, yeah. As for Gaudreau, like I kind of noticed, um, there was one play in particular, very high skill. He like took it around behind the net. I think tried to kind of bank it in off uh, the off Sorokin because like his other teammates were like not in great position, and it kind of made me realize that. You know, it's a lot harder to score 100 points when your line mates aren't Matthew Kachuk and Elias Lindholm. <laughs> really? Yeah. No shit. I, it's bad. Did you see the... He's already, he's already being asked, like, do you regret fucking signing in Columbus? Who asked him that? Just, I saw a quote about it. There was, like, a whole-ass headline. Like, it's not going well in that sense. But, like, he still he still looks great. Um, and he's still very much driving the offense. Like, I was thinking, imagine this team without him. Like if they didn't, if they didn't fall into their laps, I struggled to see where any of the offense would come from, at all. Yeah, Emil Bemstrom, <laughs> guess so. Who cleared waivers like a few weeks ago? <laughs> Lovely. Now he's playing on the first first fucking line. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So Scott Mayfield tied at three three, and then uh, the Blue Jackets played three fours in overtime. That was a strategy. And then uh, the minute the Islanders had the puck, the, all three of them looked terrible defensively. <laughs> Did you see? It was I think it was Boone Jenner. Was the the odd guy back uh, on the two on one? He had no uh, idea what he was doing. My, because uh, the three that started were uh, Boone Jenner, Johnny Gaudreau, and Patrick Line. I opened OT together, and when you st- do three fours in OT, you hope that at least one of them is like strong defensively. I th- I had thought Boone Jenner was, if any of these players would be. Maybe yeah. I was wrong, or maybe because on this overtime winner, uh, which was like a a two on one, was a Pajot passing off to the the ageless wonder Zach Parise, <laughs> who scored. While Boone Jenner failed so miserably <laughs> to defend this two on one, and I on the broadcast they were kind of defending like, oh, he like he thought Patrick Laine covered Parise, um, but like it was clearly was clearly in his line of vision that Parise had like escaped Laine, yeah. and instead of you know defending the pass like his common hockey wisdom knowledge to do, he kind of just you know he blocked the shot. He stood in front of Pajot. Uh, and he didn't even do that well. He looked like he did, was doing it half-heartedly, he look, and he looked like maybe totally gassed from the shift or just completely spent. Yeah, and it wasn't even that long of a shift. It was like what thirty seconds in, and then uh, yeah, he was guarding grass, as they say, because uh, he was in the middle of nowhere. Like he wasn't in front of the shot. 
uh, if Fajal wanted to, he could have gotten a clean clean shot off uh, completely. So just, uh, yeah, bad luck. And also Line on that on that shift. You mentioned he got beat by Parise. Uh, which is uh, <laughs> when you're getting beat like that by like some 37 year old on your way back, and he was like riding him too. I think we're gonna get called for a penalty if they hadn't scored. Um, just uh, rough look, rough fucking look. I gotta say. Yeah. So, uh, not much else to add on on this game in particular. I would no, say. Not really. Next up, very interestingly though, like throughout this whole week, like these were high scoring games, and I think that is. A product of just how bad all the teams involved were, um, because Columbus, well, as we'll see in this upcoming game, uh, Merzlikan started, but he got injured partway through. So we saw a lot of Corpusalo this week. He played for uh, like seven and a half of the nine periods, and none of them were good. No, he doesn't get you a save whatsoever. And on the goals he gives up, he's always looking like he's out of position, um, just straight swimming. I don't think he'd still be in the NHL if he didn't. Have such a great series uh, in the bubble against Toronto back in 2020. Oh, 100%. He's still riding that. Otherwise, he has no good results to speak of in the last three years. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, he... Merzlikens got the start against the Flyers. Um, fucking Sean Corelli opened the score, but it was really just a Justin Braun own goal. Unfortunate yeah. tip there. Uh, yeah, and then uh, Johnny Goudreau set up, uh, set up Boone Jenner, an awfully nice play there. Uh, by Goudreau, make it 2-0. Uh, but then uh, they let up off the gas, and the Flyers came back. Kevin Hayes scored from from the slot. Noah Cates, fucking, you let Noah Cates score with Zach McEwen on a two-on-one? That's you know, Noah Cates is pretty good. Zach yeah. McEwen's the shitty one. <laughs> anyway, I want to talk about that Jenner goal because this was a play where I found Ken Johnson particularly impressive because he, he got the secondary assist, but he I find really a set up the play. He actually he got a great chance on like a like a toe drag type of thing, and then like very patiently, almost like you know the thing like star players do, where they'll just like stop and stand still and look around, yeah. and somehow miraculously no one's able to like take the puck away from them. Right. Ken Johnson pulled that off. Yeah, he did a toe drag, got a great chance. I think like the puck comes back to him, and he kind of just stands there, looks around, it passes to Gaudreau, tic tac toe to. To Boone Jenner, and it seems like he already has this kind of like star level uh, of offensive confidence. That's kind of like kind of reminiscent of Jack Hughes in a certain way. Uh, and so I think there's a there's a player to look out for in the coming years. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna be be. I'm trying to think of of how how over the top I want to be with my projection. He is going to score 80 points at least one season. Solid, solid take. Um, Thank you. Yeah, that, that's, that's if the, the, they can get the surrounding cast together, I think. But on that point on Ken Johnson, I think he played, still played most of his minutes on that third line uh, with, who is it, like Roslovic and Foodie. Um, and then he got some first, first line minutes. I think he's shown that he can handle those first line minutes. And I think moving forward, it would be, who's the coach in Columbus? Uh, Larson. Right, Brad Larson. Yeah. yeah, I think he'd be well advised to move him up. I think, the you know... It, just to, just to give an, ex, an extended stay there. Uh, obviously, if he's overwhelmed with it, you can shelter him back down on the third line. But I think, yeah, the quality of line mates he's playing with right now, uh, given you contrast that with, with the level of play that he's showing, I think he deserves some ex- an extended stay on the first line, especially with Benchum not really uh, being anything special. I think even though it was a small sample size, over the course of this week, uh, I have 
enough evidence to say there's no reason, at least for now, to keep Kent Johnson and Johnny Gaudreau apart. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think uh, it'll make a half-decent first line. I mean, I think this Boone generally is something to be desired uh, at center, but I think development-wise, um, put him with a good fucking line mate. And, uh, yeah, I think the, the John, and, and for Gaudreau's sake, too, put him with someone, <laughs> someone better than Emil Bemstrom, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that that's the formula for, for developmental success. I wouldn't say game success right now at this point for the Blue Jackets. But, yeah, moving forward, I think it's, it's best for their long-term interest to move this guy up as soon as possible. And as for that two-on-one with Noah Case and Zach McEwen, I want to stress this wasn't just any two-on-one. This was like a, a two-on-one that Andrew Peak and Jake, Jacob Christensen like kind of turned into a two-on-o by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> like they both defended it so poorly. You know, Zach McEwen kind of just skated by both of them yeah. and, you know, crossed past to, to Noah Cates and Corpusello didn't have much of a chance on that one, uh, especially thanks to the fact that he's not very good. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, just defensively, this team just is it's terrible. It's it's awful. Um, Peek had another bad, bad fucking play against the Habs. Um, where... what's, this, what's the deal with Andrew Peek? Andrew <laughs> Peek, okay, because this, for some reason, because the first I remember hearing of Andrew, Andrew Peek in the end, well, I knew he, like, he was drafted in the second round, like 2016. A couple years later, he's like, finishes college. He plays a bit in the NHL. I remember I was watching Sports Center one morning. And it's like it was like his third NHL game or something, and he made like so many terrible plays. And they were just talking sports here, like, oh, and then Andrew P. Oh, this really young guy having a rough time, not doing well. He goes back to the minors. I think he stays there for a couple of years. Last year, he makes the team. They put him right on the first pair with Zach Wierenski, and it's like you're here forever now, all year for forever, the whole time. And he did poorly in those minutes, and the team was bad. And he's still in those minutes, and he's continued to be bad. Because he's just a bottom pair defenseman, probably. Yeah, I think it's a combination. I think the, the team likes him because part of it is that he they drafted him, you know, the second round pick a few years back. And I think also there's also nobody there to kind of replace him. Um, so he seems like a guy they kind of like. They'd probably love to replace him with someone better if there was anybody remarkably, like, noticeably better than him. Um, but I think the issue is there's his defense is pretty bare. <laughs> Well, especially with the injuries now, but like yeah. last year, he was taking minutes away from like Adam Boquist, right. Jake Bean, players like that who would have been at least as capable. Yeah. So when they're healthy, it doesn't, there's no justifying it. It's just mm-hmm. dumb hockey brain. Um, so yeah, Andrew Peake sucks ass. Uh, but uh, Boone Jenner scored a nice breakaway goal, made a 3 2, blocked the shot. Good, good, good two way play there. Woo. Um, and then, like, Eric Robinson scored, like, a few seconds later, or it was, uh, from the doorstep. So, it looked like they, they took control of the game. Uh, but then, uh, no, they, this is their second two-goal lead that they blew. <laughs> um, that just goes to show what this team is like. Um, but, uh, yeah, fucking Nick Sealer off of the cycle scored a goal. And then Travis Konechny was, was all alone on the doorstep on the power play, made a 4-4. Um, but then, uh, like, Vladis, they, they went to overtime, where... They had a three-on-one with uh, get get this fucking trio of Cole yeah. Sillinger, Igor Chinakov, and Vladislav Gavrikov, who ended up scoring, uh, and uh, that's how they won the game with uh, with that trio on the ice. I mean, Line A Gaudreau Jenner didn't work the game before, so throughout <laughs> Sillinger, Chinakov, and a defenseman. Yeah. Well, I would think Gavrikov these days 
with all their injuries, especially, is like definitely the best defenseman they have in the lineup. Um, it's not a it's high not, bar to clear. It's not great, but I think he's the number one at this point. Yeah. Um, and I was gonna mention about like Columbus, you know, blowing the multi goal leads, being up four two, is that let's not forget the Flyers are coached by John Tortorella, and he just wants his teams to get to overtime. Yeah. And they're generally pretty good at doing that. Uh, and they did it. So you know, once the Flyers tied at four four, they hang their mission accomplished banner. Go to overtime, and uh, <laughs> let Vladislav Gavrikov light them up on a three-on-one. Walk home with their loser point. Yeah, I guess. I guess the both both teams end up walking away happy from this game, eh? Yeah. <laughs> well, how the fly? Where are the Flyers in the standings? I know they like kind of surprised and overachieved. They do a have a disproportionate amount of OTLs. Of course they do. I think there's like seven, seven, and three or something. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, he's doing the bit. He's yep. doing the bit. Good for him, uh, good for good for fucking Tortorella, I guess. Maybe he's building the identity and it's losing in overtime. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else to add about this? It was like it was a high scoring, but also it was pretty boring at the same time. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, the- I mean, when you have a high scoring game, but it's high scoring because you have fucking Nick Sealer <laughs> scoring on Corpusello, you know, it's it doesn't really get you out of your seat. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. High scoring, but boring as shit. And it's just devoid of talent is also part of the problem. Was this the most boring week we've ever done for watching a team? It's up there. And they scored a whole bunch of yeah, goals. Yeah, for fuck. a... I know. <laughs> How many goals did the fucking Blue Jackets score this week? Like, 15? The Blue like... Jackets this week scored uh 14 goals. Wow. And gave up... Uh, Let me just do some quick math. Uh, 12. Exactly four goals every game. Yeah. So, like... They're averaging almost like eight, eight and a half goals a game in total, like in terms of the game um, itself for both teams. And that's, and we still. I think part of the reason we found it boring is we, I think we were both hoping to come out of this week uh, with the strong conclusion that Columbus is irredeemable dog shit and that they sucked against these trash teams. But instead they sucked, but like still won twice so like in a very abstract sense the jury is still out on that and it's kind of hard to look no well (laughs) and in the sense that it's hard to roast them too hard for this week in particular because and i think because we wanted them to suck and they did suck but still won is where like the boredom comes in maybe but no if they had won excitingly i would have uh been like that's great they still stink, but you know, I I, I would have, uh, you know, I, I I don't see them shifting my preconceived notions of them either way. Yeah, I know, but it's so like, like no matter how like, but like, what's more exciting than like, oh, they're up four two, and they blew the lead, and they won in overtime. You know, like I, but like from an objective viewpoint, we're watching this, going like, oh, it's the Blue Jackets, really? Are they gonna actually like like who cares what happens in this game? So like. It's boring if they're, like, just good enough to win. Yeah, I think you're right. If they'd lost 7 nothing every game, it would have been interesting. Exactly. Um, <laughs> in that sense. That's what we were hoping for, I think, yeah. subconsciously. Perhaps that's what we were rooting for. But I think by nature, just how bad this team is, um, in terms of players to watch, it was really just Gaudreau and Ken Johnson. And that, and that was about it, I think. And Corpusella. We, we, we kind of screwed up. Like, you know, it was, it was a lose-lose situation in terms of excitement. Um and yeah, we're talking about the best case scenarios that they lose every game six one. <laughs> a team that's already in the basement continues to lose, and we would have been mildly entertained. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, the ceiling wasn't high on this one. I gotta say. Yeah, well, my bad. <laughs> no, no, it happens. <laughs> you can't. It can't be greater. It can't be Devil's Week all all, all the time. You know what I mean? So, yeah. All right. So Our yeah. last game mm-hmm. of the week uh, starts with Samuel Montembo giving up an ungodly stinker to Cole Sillinger, put going off of his own stick. Too bad. Oh, and then off of Jordan Harris too, right? That was like it was like a ping pong. It wasn't all. It, all it didn't. I. They said on the broadcast it went off of Harris. I watched it again. I don't think it touched Harris at all. Oh, yeah. I, I think it just went off Montembo's stick. And like you know, the thing goalies do with their stick, where they like push the puck into the opposite corner. Yeah. It looked like he was trying to do that, but it just got a bad angle, and it kind of went just into the net behind him. Maybe. Uh, I don't think it hit Harris. That's possible. I would say I'll, I'll, I would take a closer look, but I don't think I care enough to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just take your word for it. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's that. That was Cole Cylinder who got credit for that goal. Um, then uh, Gustav Nyquist. Nice, nice pass from fucking Gavin Bayreuther from the Ooh. from the point there. Uh, All star, a little, little solid slap pass, solid vision, a one. Uh, then Andrew Peak looked like shit uh, off of a clearance attempt. Give yes. it to Jordan Harris. That was terrible, terrible. And uh, so yeah, Jordan Harris got that back. If he had tapped that first first Columbus goal in, he uh, redeemed himself, so to speak. Um, yeah, and then uh, with like fucking, how do you give up a goal on a face off with five seconds left? Because that's what the Blue Jackets did on that Josh Anderson goal. The the puck dropped with five seconds left, and they managed to give up a goal. Um, and uh, Corpus Allo looked horrible on that shot too. Do you believe really, I? Okay, I know we love to roast Corpus Allo. I feel like that shot's not a great one to. It was under the arm. It was under the arm. Yeah, but so I mean, get it. <laughs> I don't. When, I feel like after a faceoff, when the puck goes right to a player in the slot, I know you want to be like, oh, two seconds left or whatever. You got to yeah. buckle down. But, like, I mean, the puck went to the slot to a player who took a good shot, you know? I guess. But then again, you know, like, you talk about, like, be ready. You know, like, you should be ready immediately following the faceoff because you had a full, like, 30 seconds to, like, compose yourself. Compose yourself. And knowing there are five seconds. It didn't feel very well situationally, you know? Like, uh, would have been one thing if it was, like, a snipe top shelf. But this one felt like, you know. And also, yeah, on the on the Columbus Blue just the skaters on that. How do you not like you know like fucking try to co- how do you lose that face off so cleanly, off to the slot? Just just an embarrassing set play. I, I'm I'm gonna cook them for that one. It was, it was not a good look. Well, then you're going to want to cook the abs for how they lost a face off extremely cleanly in the third period too. Yeah. But before we get there, uh, immediately after that goal off the face off with two seconds left, we got a fight. Oh. Arbor Jacki <laughs> and Matthew Olivier. What did you think about this? I don't know. I I didn't think much of it. It was a fight. I mean, that's that's his bit now, right? Jack guy. Where how many fights has he gotten in? Like two, three, four. I I what I'm hearing is when uh, Matheson's back, he's the one. He's going back to yeah. Laval. Right. That's true. So maybe he's fighting for his spot. So to sp- there we go. That's that's, that's <laughs> a joke. There's a pun for you. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I didn't think much of it. I was like, oh, okay, they're fighting. It's a fourth liner with fucking. The seventh defense when this about to get sent out. <laughs> That's great. Like I know, like we were talking, we've been joking a bit about Jack Guy and how people were overreacting near the start of the season, like, oh, he's like changed the culture of the team or whatever. <laughs> um, so from that way, it was maybe a minor surprise that it sounds like they're gonna send him down, but I do think it's it's the right thing to do because I mean, he's shown himself to be uh very good at several aspects of the game, like NHL ready from the sense, you know, he seems to have pretty decent awareness. He's competent in the offensive zone. The problem, though, is that he takes so many penalties. 
I know there's a lot of terrible ones too. And that really just drags down his value. Yeah. But actually, Jay Fresh tweeted out his chart recently. It, I think it was a 0% war, mostly because of how terrible he is on penalty differential. No. <laughs> That's tough. So, yeah, there's no real, objectively speaking, there's no real justification for keeping this guy up if he's constantly putting you on the penalty kill. Um, that's, uh, but he excites us. He, he makes the other root. players want to want to score. I think <laughs> he doesn't score himself. He makes everybody else wanna score, want <laughs> yeah. to score. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think also the novelty's kind of worn off, you know? There's a, there's a, there's, I think the, a good portion of the aspect of it was like the novelty of Arbor Jack guy. You know, nobody fucking hears of this guy, Costco man, whatever the fuck. Oh, Wi-Fi, shots back. that's crazy. Sh- shit like that. Uh, but you know, and then he sh- shows up and he takes all these fucking penalties. So it's time to send him down. I don't think it's. Uh, yeah, I I don't sense the love as much anymore, and I think that's normal. He's just fucking. He's just eighth defenseman after all. So you just said seven. Now he's eighth. Well, yeah. what, what changed? <laughs> Demoted. Actually, uh, yeah, he is like from a very. Uh, rigid standpoint the seventh defenseman okay and chris weidman is quite clearly number eight <laughs> because i don't think he's played at all since edmondson came back no okay so there we go seventh defenseman arbor jack guy see you later enjoy laval um yeah so third period third period boone this was the nice play this was the nice goal boone jenner from kent johnson and johnny Gaudreau. uh nice three on one just like a nice tic-tac-toe play they just look like all three of them, well, especially like Gaudreau and Johnson, had had the, the, the awareness on that rush to kind of set up that pass play. I thought Drop it was, pass. It was great. Um, so compliments to both of them on that one. Yeah. I think in the end, my biggest takeaway from this week, uh, that something I didn't really know before, is I'm a bigger Kent Johnson fan than I thought I was. Yeah. Because I kind of thought like, you know, a fifth overall pick, but like the little I'd seen and knew about him, it kind of felt like, there was a decent feeling that he could turn into like a Jonathan Drouin type. I don't know if that's a little bit harsh, but I kind of I've kind of felt as though that he there was a lot more rounding out to do in his game for him to not turn out like that. Um, but it looks like he's done so, or maybe those red flags weren't even there to begin with, and I was just wrong. Um, because I I see a a star in the making. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's my that's my one positive takeaway from this team is the well, A Gaudreau's pretty. He's fine. Uh, and uh, positive takeaway: Johnny Gaudreau's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's doing Johnny Gaudreau things. But uh, the surrounding cast, the surrounding cast is bad. And yeah, Ken Johnson, there is big reason amongst because they have a whole bunch of fucking young guys, right? Like Liam Flutie's on the roster, Igor Chinikov's on the roster. Um, but like none of them really kind of showed off on the like unlike Ken Johnson, right? That's that's really the 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 shining beacon of optimism moving forward, uh, where he's kind of shown that. If you want to build out of this rebuild, um, you can totally make him uh, a centerpiece of that core. Yeah, and we, you know, we've been talking about how terrible their defense is. That's the strength of their pipeline. They drafted Yurchuk and Matejchuk this year. Um, they've also Corson Kuhlman's in the pipeline. Boquist is still young. Jake Bean's still young. Zach Wierenski's locked in forever. So uh, that is something that will naturally solidify itself over the course of time. Yeah, and who knows who they'll add uh, this upcoming draft. They uh, continue down this torrid. If path. they stay this good, they might end up with like the sixth pick instead of the first or second or third. That'd be a disaster. You know what? I I could see this team being pretty pretty decent in four years if they get a good draft pick this year. Uh, and uh, I mean, if they get one of the top out. three picks this year, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they're in like cup contention window by like twenty twenty six. Yeah. No, I 
that's that's a hot that's that's a hot one. But yeah, if the development goes well, you're saying if, if they add say they add Bedard this year, yeah, to Johnson, Sillinger, Yurichek, Matejchuk, Wierenski, and trade for a goalie, <laughs> then uh, I think you've got and you got Gaudreau there too as well long term. All of a sudden, you just kind of have to fill in the edges appropriately. Yeah, and you've got a got a, a a great team. Yeah, I think I think a lot of those pieces they still need the development. You talk about guys who were drafted just this past year, right? Um, there's still a lot of room to to go from there. But I think yeah, no, a hundred percent. This if this team showed up and uh, the the their rebuilding has gone well in terms of accumulating quality prospects. What's their goalie contract situation like? I remember like. Merzlikens all I think is signed long. It. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I remember seeing like Corpus Salo, this is last year, I think. Or they just signed into this one year deal. Yeah. But I think Merzlikens is signed long. On uh their recent draft picks though, uh oh Merzlikens, by the way, is signed till twenty twenty seven at five point four million. That's a little rough. <laughs> what unless he gets better than he was this year. Oh my god. Uh, I mean that's Horrid. He's trended downward every season in the NHL. His first year he was a 923, followed by 916, 907, and this year nine games and 864. Not a promising trend. Yikes. He's already 28, too. Yeah, I know. That that's the one number that stuck out to me on this page. It's huh. gonna be 33 when that contract ends. Anyway, I was gonna say about like David Yearcheck in particular. Yep. We talked about this after the draft, how and before the draft, how the Flyers should take Yearcheck or one of those top five instead of Cutter Gautier. And they decided to take Cutter Gauthier instead, despite all the red flags we discussed right. uh, at the time. And I get the sense this is going to turn out like a Oliu Levy Matthew Kachuk situation, um, where the uh, the Canucks at that time drafted U Levy for team need, and the Flyers felt like they were doing that as well because they already have like Cam York, who might have need another defenseman <laughs> in the pipeline or something. Yeah. And there's a whole divisional factor as well. I I feel strongly it's going to turn out the same way. Where the sixth overall pick that everyone thought was better than the fifth overall pick turned out to be even better than that. Yeah. No, I can. No, I can absolutely see it panning out that way. Um. Yeah. So that's. Oh, we're. I don't. I don't think we completed the. Oh, we're at second intermission of the last game. Aren't yeah, we? that's right. So, uh, let's see. Brendan Gallagher scored, and Corpusalo was fucking three miles away from the net on that one. Wait, Ralph I want to talk about yeah. this goal. Yeah. This was the most embarrassing goal Columbus gave up of the week. Because, so, Mike Hoffman, who has been better lately, since he's been put on this line with Dvorak and Gallagher, he's been playing with a little more confidence, scoring a bit, um, basically carries the puck into the Blue Jackets zone while the rest of his team is changing lines. (laughs) So we essentially have a one-on-five in the Blue Jackets zone. And rather than use your five players to take the puck away while everyone else is in the neutral zone or changing, I kind of just let Mike Hoffman stand around, skate around, wait for the other four halves to show up. As he passes to Dvorak, passes to Gallagher, and in that extremely brief amount of time, Corpus Salo has so- somehow found himself on the opposite right side of the net and, like, spins around and flails around in a totally incompetent way while Brendan Gallagher shoots it into the open net. This was an absolutely miserable sequence of events <laughs> on every part. If If... My like peewee team did this when I was 13 years old. If we let one guy skate around with the puck while the rest of the team was changing, there were five of us, and they all show up and score, we would have, I don't know, be, uh, been frowned upon extremely harshly. Yeah, oh, I'm watching it right now. But uh, yeah, no kidding. It's really, it was really him just fucking skating around while the guys just Waiting. stand. Just, they just plant themselves 
in their five we'll wait box. for you to attack yeah. <laughs> whenever you're ready <laughs> and it's particularly funny because the habs just come in a wave you know like they're fresh off the bench and it's just with a bunch of momentum all yeah, exactly and then they immediately score so yeah just and then the corpus Allo bit that, that's that's what stood out to me on that goal he is just nowhere near there's no reason for him to be that up the crease too because the puck was fucking at the point at that point i think when, when hoffman yeah, started. why do you even go that way what was he thinking <laughs> I have no clue. Uh, just, just baffling. But then um, Montreal said, "Time for us to be embarrassed by you." Yeah. Um, because Sean fucking Corrali proceeds to undress Dadanov, Edmondson, and Harris at the same time and turn a one-on-three into a breakaway goal. Yeah. Uh, and then the embarrassment. There's a lot of embarrassing goals in this third period. Yeah. Which I think goes to show, well, first of all, how bad the teams are. Right. How bad the goalies both were in this game, because Sean Corrali and Matthew Olivier. Like chatting before a face-off about like a set play, like whispering a bit. Like, then on the broadcast, I think they even said like, "Oh, are they gonna have a set play to like back to Matthew Olivier, and he's gonna shoot right away." And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> like the broadcast saw it coming, but none of the Habs seemed to. And whoever was taking the face-off, I think it might have actually been Nick Suzuki, should have had the 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 uh, awareness to just you know. I feel like any centerman can, if the only goal is to. You don't have to win the face-off. Just don't let the other guy win cleanly. Should probably be able to do so. Yeah, that's what, that's exactly right. Uh, I was thinking the same thing for for that Josh Anderson goal. That You know what I mean? Like, you should have yeah. the wherewithal to... Yeah, especially with the five seconds left. Cause a scramble just after cause, face-off. Yeah, done. five seconds left. You know, and, and by the time the pucks leave the scramble, the time's up mm-hmm. on that on that goal in particular. But also, yeah, with with uh, with this fucking... The, the Blue Jackets here. It's just... Uh, yeah, there, there's, there isn't enough defensive awareness in that case and yeah to give up a goal to the fucking fourth the fourth line gets an offensive zone start uh and they score and just a, a set play just that you dream about <laughs> disaster disaster but then nick suzuki scored immediately after so if it was another embarrassing goal yeah, it's terrible okay this <laughs> was behind the net okay i know yeah. from time to time you know we see like all oh, behind the net goals a like bad angle some you'll see like crosby shooting the puck in off like someone's shoulder and it's yeah. like oh that's insane and oftentimes, there's nothing the goalie... It was like an inch, the goalie left. Corp, rule number one of being a goalie is you got to, like, hug the post, you know? Suzuki went behind the net on, on like, Corpusalo's left. Yeah. Uh, and as he did so, Corpusalo decided to, like, leave a massive opening <laughs> with his left pad, between his left pad and the post. And Nick Suzuki just shot the puck onto the pad and it just bounced off like a pinball machine. And right into the net. It was an incredible display of terrible goaltending. Yeah, just a horrid, just terrible. Um, there's no excuse for that. You're right. That is like rule number one when someone's behind the net. And uh, yeah, just just a complete lack of spatial awareness from fucking Eunice Copasello, who has shown himself to be embarrassed and just not an NHL goalie at this point. Yeah. But he got the win. He did get the win. <laughs> he got the win. Sean Corral got the net goal. Columbus has a great week in the end. <laughs> uh, goes 2-0-1. Do you have any final thoughts? We spent a lot of time on this segment, more than we usually do. We're like 36 minutes in. Wow. Look at us go, talking about the Blue Jackets. Um, final thoughts? Just uh, this team needs to continue to lose and continue to tank. Um, there's There's no way forward. They lost some ground in the tank race this week, so I consider it a, a, a mission failure. In that respect, um, because yeah, the, especially with all the injuries, um, did we run through them? Let's just quickly go through the list. I think they were all announced this week. It was like Wierenski, Jake Bean, 
both out indefinitely. Wierenski's out for the rest of the season. Adam Bocas broke his fucking foot. Patrick Line is out three to four weeks. Jakub Voracek is also out indefinitely. Lars Leakens out too. Yeah, he's out for how long? I didn't see uh, the update on that one. Um, but uh, yeah, they're injured. To and shit. Nick Blankenberg. <laughs> That's true. Don't forget. Um, yeah, no, this team just isn't very good. Yeah, you know, if you're one of those like hardcore Blue Jackets fans who watches every game, <laughs> I which I don't know how many of you there could possibly be. Especially if you've been imagine being like a hardcore Blue Jackets fan like for its entire existence. Since the year 2000. Since the year 2000. Yeah. It took you eight years to make the playoffs. <laughs> it took you uh, another six after that to win a playoff game. took you another five after that to win a playoff round. And uh, you haven't... And now you're back into the bottom of the league again. After, you know, adding Johnny Gaudreau this summer. And, you know, you got Patrick Liney recently, all these exciting things. And we, I was just like... We just watched three games. We're like, this is unbearably boring, despite all the goals scored. <laughs> I don't know how you do it, um, but I will say, compared to most teams in the league, I think looking at the Blue Jackets' pipeline and their general trajectory, there is a potential future to be excited about, or yeah. to to hope for. I think there's there's optimism. It's uh, that with this new core, um, that'll eventually develop. I think there there's a higher ceiling than there's ever been for this franchise. Yes. Um. Because, yeah, you you talk about like the the playoff failures. Um. But there's just been no talent, and there's been no star fucking power on this with this team, in the last like twenty two fucking years. Like it's just like who's been the best player? It's like Rick Nash, who did, they traded in twenty twelve. Yeah, and that's it, right? Like in terms of you know they had the you know the Bobrovsky and the Panarin for a little bit, and then they immediately traded them. You know, it's just like. Well, they lost him to free agency. Oh, that's true. Yeah, which is even worse. So, you know, it's just like there's been no sustained run of star player. Yeah, it hasn't hasn't been sustained at all. But that window where they had Panarin was pretty exciting those few years. Give him that. That 2019, that was was fun. With Duchesne there as well. They went all in at the trade deadline. They got Duchesne, got uh, Ryan Dezingle. Right. But that was just just that one season was the issue, right? And... Yeah, yeah. I think I think now it seems like they're finally like building a core, which I don't think they you can say, uh, in the past for this franchise, um, where you have multiple blue chip prospects that might turn out to something. Now, obviously, still a lot of development to be had, but yeah, I think the optimism is that you could see a legitimate jump up into a legitimate playoff team in in half a decade. Have you ever looked at the Blue Jackets, like especially in their early history, like their first ten years or so? No. Their draft record. I did not. I have not. It's incredibly abysmal, <laughs> and I, which makes sense because it took so long. So they're in the 2000 draft, their first one. Wait, don't look it up. I want to tell you okay. stuff. Sure. <laughs> um, fourth overall in their first draft. Do you know who they picked? No. Rostislav Klesla. <laughs> Next year they have the eighth overall pick. Do you know who they pick? No. Pascal Leclerc. Wow. Year after that they got Rick Nash first overall. 2003. This one is famous. They had the fourth overall pick, and this is like the best draft ever. Right. The first few picks were Mark andre Fleury, Eric Stahl, Nathan Horton. Do you know who they picked fourth? No. Nikolai Zherdev. <laughs> followed by Thomas Vanek went soon after. Ryan Suter was in the top ten. Uh, you know, there were other star players who went, of course. You after that, eighth overall, Alexandra Picard. Remember that name? <laughs> that rings a bell. That rings a bell. Next year, yeah. sixth overall. This one is maybe my favorite, Gilbert Brule, because John Shannon 
Was John Shannon the GM? Was it him? Or do I get it mixed up with someone else who was the GM of the Blue Jackets? I don't know. There was someone who worked for Sportsnet and did like the Hockey Central show. He always talked about how like it was either it was between Gilbert, Gilbert Brule or Anse Kopitar. <laughs> and he literally said <laughs> that because there had like never been a Slovenian player before, they Stop. were like scared of it or something. No way. Like, like Gilbert Brule. That's nuts. Like he admitted that publicly. Holy he was like, shit. oh, I was pretty dumb, wasn't I? Yeah, like, no yeah. shit, John. <laughs> And then they took Derek Broussard, sixth overall year, uh, that year, in 2006, which is to that point, their second best first round pick ever. And it was Jakub Voracek. Looks like things are maybe picking up. Nikita Filatov, sixth overall. And it got to the point after, you know, Nikolai Zherdev busted, Nikita Filatov busted. When it got to 2012, and Columbus finished last, and there was talk like, oh, there's a 50 50 chance they'll get the first pick. I remember a lot of people were saying, like, Columbus shouldn't take Anil Yakupov because they have a bad track record drafting Russians high because they always bust when Columbus drafts the Russians, which had happened twice before. Right. And then they didn't even get the chance to do so. <laughs> but Yakupov busted anyway, and it would have been hilarious if Columbus had the honor of doing it instead of the Oilers. Oh, man. That would have been funny. What was that thing you sent me about Yakupov? There was, there was a, a nuts Yes. Thing. Yeah. Devin Dubnik or like yeah. went on a podcast or something. And they asked him like, I don't know even what the question was. I might have been with something along the lines like, who's the stupidest player you ever played with? And he was just like, oh, Yakupov. That guy was a fucking idiot. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he swore, but he basically said in practice when Yakupov was a rookie, he would tell him, like, don't shoot, like, above my shoulder so hard, close to my head. Like, either, you know, you'll miss the net or, like, concuss me. And Yakupov just, like, didn't understand. I, and he was like, oh, and I guess he never learned because he's out of the league or something. I wonder if there was a language barrier at play. I feel like Devin Dubnik maybe f- spoke in quick English that Nil Yakubov barely understood, which is because I don't, f- I couldn't see any other reason for that message not to get through. Maybe, but also I think there's there's two options. Um, I think there's a distinct possibility he was just an idiot. Um, but uh, no, it might it might be that there was a language barrier that uh, maybe had an effect on his career just as a whole. But uh, yeah, that that was that was a pretty wild quote to hear, um, or to read. Yeah, so shall you continue on your on our Blue Jackets journey? There's nothing we've oh, done okay. way too much Blue Jackets stuff. Okay, the episode's like halfway done almost. Yeah. All right. Um, and I mean, going into we thought like, oh, Blue Jackets, they're gonna tank. You know, they gotta tank. Yeah. But I think we have to acknowledge the fact that the Ducks are actually in the driver's seat right now. Um. Not intentionally, um, but they have five wins. They are last in the league. But especially notable is the fact that all five of their wins have come in overtime of the shootout. They are so bad, they haven't won a single game in regulation. Today is November 18th. The season started over a month ago, and they haven't pulled off a regulation win yet. That is um, embarrassing. Oh, 100%. I'm looking up John Gibson's stats right now. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm starting to feel like John Gibson might never actually recover his Vezina form or whatever. Maybe he just <laughs> dog shit. <laughs> okay, he's an 893 and a 3-9 and 1 record currently. So, yeah, I you know what? I almost took him in fantasy. You know, I was this I was like him and Vitek Vanacek. I was really going back and forth on it. Um I'm I'm glad I picked the latter because uh yeah, no, it just sounds like everybody kind of talked like even even this year there was some optimism like, "Oh, maybe this is the year Gibson comes back to form if he can stay healthy and yeah. No, he's terrible. He's Pull just... me four times. <laughs> yeah. That's right. 
<laughs> when was his last bona fide good season? Was it like 2017, 20? Thereabouts, I yeah. would say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say he was a 917 in 1819. Uh, when I think the Ducks didn't even make the playoffs that year. Like the year before that, he was a 926 in the regular season. They got swept by the Sharks in the first round. And they haven't been back to the playoffs since. Since 1819, he's been sub 905 every year. <laughs> wow, talk about riding on prestige. Um, let's see. Well, what is it? Is there anything else? Let's look at the Ducks lines. Let's see well, there's, there is something. I think it's very notable to say. Yeah. This is their first full season without both Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson, who were, you know, the two steady figures defensively for Anaheim for the last many, dating back to when they were actually a good team. And even when they were bad, you know, they were, those were good players. To lose them both, now you have a defense who's, you know, well, first of all, Drysdale's out for a long time, but he wasn't very good yet anyway. You got Cam Fowler, John Klingberg, Kevin Shattenkirk. None of these players are known for being good in their own zone. And then you, it's, who, who else is even, Simon Benoit, Earl Vakaninen? Like the defense, all the defensemen are either straight up bad or bad defensively. And add that to John Gibson, who's gotten worse and worse and worse. Then uh, it doesn't matter that Troy Terry is the best player in the world, scoring 20 points in 17 games. <laughs> yeah, I guess the issue is that they do give up uh, a ton of goals. I think, I think Kevin Shackenkirk's injured, if I didn't see that correctly. So they've got like someone named Austin Strand. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Austin the, Strand. Yeah, he's, he, he just got put, the Shackenkirk just got put on the IR two days ago. Uh, don't um, even have so, him then. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's even worse. The guy's a bottom pairing of Colton White and Austin Strand. That, that bodes well for success. Um, they've given up 73 goals this year. 73 goals? That's like what they played like, what, 16 games? Yeah, something like that. That's like 4 point, like 3 goals. They've played 17 Fucking games, they've given insane. up 73 goals. <laughs> That's like significantly more than 4 goals a game. That's kind of nuts. That's, uh, wow. Mm. Look at them go. And I think, you know, it's partly probably disappointing for, because like they were hoping to take a step this year. Um, with, you know, the likes of Zegris and Terry and uh, Mason McTavish, who's been okay. Uh, you know, this and Drysdale, they were hoping. I mean, obviously, this long-term injury couldn't have really seen that coming. They were hoping to do kind of probably what similar to what the Kings did last year and at least be in the playoff mix. Instead, they're the laughing stock of the league so far, and it comes down to just having put together this defense in a in a terrible way. So instead... They're kind of, they found themselves in the driver's seat to, you know, get a top three pick uh, while they still have a decent young core in place and they have uh, pieces that can be sold off, notably Klingberg, who they signed for that very purpose, uh, Dmitry Kulikov, who they acquired for that, or at least partly for that purpose, and uh, I imagine they'll be shopping some other pieces as well. So we could end up with Bedard and in uh, what's uh, Orange County? That's what it's called. <laughs> could be. Man, I'm looking at that four core. It's not very good. It is not very good, presently speaking. It's not. They have a small number of promising young pieces. Yeah, that's it. And then everybody else stinks. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's actually it's baffling. Um, just how bad this team is. Uh, in terms of like their second line is currently listed as Pavel Regenda. Regenda, who's this guy? Who is this guy? He's on playing on their second line. I've never heard of him. Yeah, he uh, he <laughs> was a surprise that he made the team out of camp this year. Yeah, 
It's a surprise he's still there. It's a surprise he's in the NHL, I got to say. <laughs> um, and like Ryan Stroman, Frank Vetrano. It's just, uh, yeah, it's pretty barren. It's pretty barren. So, you know, in hindsight, I don't know what they were thinking when they thought, oh, let's make a jump this year. Maybe um, maybe they didn't actually think that. I mean, yeah. that's that's what I think everyone else was thinking. Like, oh, they're hoping to take a jump. Maybe they were secretly being like, oh, we're going to be, we're going to suck ass. But like, I don't think so. They built the team like it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it, it, you talk about the defense, it is bad. Um, but I think the fours, there's just, there's no depth. There's nothing there other mm-hmm. than just like fucking Troy Terry and Trevor Zegers. And I think they need to depth. start drafting better outside of the first round. Yeah. Absolutely. Or it's... retroactively have done so the past few years. That would have been nice too. <laughs> yeah, in hindsight, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, this. They, what's their pipeline like? They obviously, they obviously have Drysdale. I mean, it's Zegers, and... McTavish, Drysdale. Everyone's saying this is the core. Lucas Dostal's a pretty promising goalie prospect, but like, there's besides those few, there's nothing very. Ex- there's like, oh, you know, Sam Colangelo might be okay. Um, who else are they drafted? Uh, and you know, they're like, oh, Isaac Lundstrom and Benoit Olivier Grew might get a little better or something. But uh, I mean, yeah, it's not like they have another star in waiting besides the young players who are already on the team. Yeah, then I'd be extremely concerned. I'd be more concerned about this team and its long-term outlook than the Blue Jackets, for example. Who's oh, we're back to Columbus. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to keep plugging them. No. <laughs> no, I just, it's just, but also, like, you look defensively, it's just Drysdale and nobody else. Uh, and it doesn't seem like they're very far along in their rebuild in terms of building out a core. Tristan Luno. <laughs> yeah. Did they just draft him in the Yeah, they draft him in the round? second round. He's yeah, uh, yeah. one of those, you know, he's good defensively guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah safe pick. Yeah, safe pick, Tristan Luno. Yeah, so it's, um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it, it does seem like, especially with like a surrounding. If this you decide this is your 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 core, first of all, it's it's very early to just describe this. You know, four people as your core already, but uh, there's nothing in terms of the surrounding pieces. Um, so yeah, rebuild wise, I am concerned. You get Bedard though. All of a sudden, he's the core, and this core we're talking about becomes a supporting cast. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. But even then, like, it's just, it's, I would be concerned as to just even still building out that supporting. Yes. Class because it, it really is quite barren um, because even, they don't even really have any old guys who are, or like, you know, guys who are around 28, 29, um, who are like good and who will be there when the score, you know, eventually mm-hmm. gets around. Yep. Uh-huh. The other California team, San Jose. Uh, we, did we mention last week offhand? That Mike Greer was like, oh, I would like think about trading Eric Carlson. Yeah. Um, because that makes a lot of sense <laughs> to think about that. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen because of that enormous cap hit for four more years after this one of $11.5 million, and he's already 32. And I know he's scoring almost a point and a half a game. I think te- oh, teams are dumb, but they're not dumb enough to go, He's back. Let's. He's worth the money now, now and forever. Um, I saw one article that caught my eye, and so I looked at it. That was like something like Habs looking for help on defense, and it was a picture of Eric Carlson. It was like I gotta fucking read this shit. <laughs> what it was proposing was basically Eric Carlson retained for Brennan Gallagher plus. And I thought that this was uh, fun to think about. Yeah. Um, because, you know, if you retain like almost half of Carlson, 
the cap has become a wash. Um, so, and I think they're signed for about the same amount of time. But where it ceases to make sense is that involves Montreal is giving up futures for this. Right. When this is a team that is still in the rebuilding stages. So I say, run with David Savard in your top pair for now. It's okay. We'll forgive you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no. You just got to keep the long-term uh, kind of view in focus if you're the Habs. Uh, that doesn't make sense. But, uh, yeah, if you're the Sharks, um, if you're Mike Greer, you are shopping the shit out of him. Um, I think uh, the team's not very good. So with it's not going to be good in four years. So I think if you retain a certain amount, a couple million, I don't think it'll hurt. Um, in terms of, you know, I don't think they'll be regretting that retention, but I think they'll they'll be much relieved to uh, remove this burden of a cap hit. And this is, I just scored four points last night. Yeah. And uh, I think you, you can certainly try to get somebody to bite. If anyone around the league has offered anything north of future considerations, they should have taken that yesterday. If someone had offered future considerations, would you consider, like, you consider it i mean like <laughs> for the no salary retained yeah yes yeah absolutely yes yeah so i wouldn't retain sort of, salary if i wasn't getting anything back that's fair yeah but uh no if it, i would trade him for nothing at this point <laughs> um uh yeah. apparently think, ottawa called yeah? yeah yeah i heard about that everybody was talking about it yeah yeah, yeah that would be, be, be a lot of fun that'd be really funny um but yeah, I I would I would love to see a team take the bait on such a big fucking contractual commitment like this. Um, you know what we might end up with? What is like a something similar to the FNAF trade, the OEL trade, where a team goes take all our bad money for one year and we'll take on Carlson for four mm. or five. You know? Yeah. Which, as history has proven, is always smart for the team taking on the shorter term commitments. Oh, absolutely. I've, that's the only way I could see something happening here. Yeah, you know what? Now that you say it, that's really, I think so that's something that, that, that some some team is dumb enough to put together and be like, we want to contend. Here's our boat anchor contract. Here's a first round pick. We'll take Eric Carlson. Uh, yeah, Carlson for Ekman Larson plus. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, how many years are left on Ekman Larson? Is four? I think it's the same as Carlson. Okay, that'd be jokes. Love to see that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently Carlson's happy though. That's the quote I saw. So he's happy to stick around. But if you're Mike Greer, you are not happy with that situation, and uh, you ship him out. Now it's not going to get any higher. It's not going to. The value's not. You got to do it now. This is, this is the time. Um, you're going to regret it. There's there's no world in which you regret trading Eric Carlson and his contract on from the San Jose Sharks. It's just uh, yeah. It's like oh no, he remained good while we were still ass even while he was on our team. Exactly. And so now we're tanking more, you yeah, know? Exactly. We're closer to Connor Bedard or any of the other two other players uh, at the top of that draft class. Yeah. So, yeah, I think 100%. Trade him. Trade him. Uh, totally. You know who else is going to get traded soon? Jacob Chikrin. Indeed. That's right. Well done. Thank you. You read my mind. Yeah. Uh-huh. Psychic. He is coming back soon. Great for my fantasy team because I, I thought he actually might have been out like all year. <laughs> but it sounds like he'll be back in like three days. Uh, and this, of course, will speed up the trading process, especially if he does well. Um, and I think he knows that. So I think I don't think we're going to get a Pierre-Luc Dubois situation where he mopes around the ice with the Blue Jackets and puts no effort into shifts, uh, and then they still somehow get good value for him. 
I think uh, Jacob Chikrin is going to um, do well, like he does, in return from this injury, and there will be a decent bidding war, and the Coyotes will get a fair price, or I think they might sit on it a bit and wait for someone to meet their price. Because let's not forget, like this, is, he, this isn't last year's deal or anything. They're in no rush to trade him. So they could wait for a team to get desperate, to lose a defenseman, to go on a bit of a slide and be like, we got to make a change. And I think they would be wise to use that leverage. How much time does he have left? Is it this year or next? I think at least one more after this. I think it's two. Okay. If it's two after this, it changes things because you can wait. But I think they run the risk of waiting too long if you're just waiting until the last year of the contract and it becomes just a rental. Um, because part of the the appeal of Jacob Chikrin is that he has that cap control, right? And we saw guys like fucking Brendan Hagel um, get like two first round picks. Part of it, part of it was because he had like two more years under under contract afterwards. He does so, have two after okay, this. So that's good. Um, so, the, you know, I guess they could wait it out. Um, they do have that leverage. But, you know, if you're, if you're going to hold on to it for, for, for a while, I think the Coyotes have to be wary of that because, uh, yeah, the big part of his value is the fact that he is signed for, for two more years at this point. Um, yeah, and, and it sounds like he's motivated to get the fuck out of there yeah. from all the quotes he's seen. So, you know, I think uh-huh. yeah, he wants to play his way out of, the, out of Arizona. Mm-hmm. Rooting for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. The other news uh, is that the World Cup of Hockey, the premier international best-on-best event, uh, they decided, you know, we wanted to have one in 2021, but, oh, look, the time got away from us. We just couldn't do it. We'll do it in 2024. Oh, no, actually, we're going to push it back another year to 2025. Uh, And, you know... This just goes to show how unserious the NHL is about putting this together. And how, I mean, to to say that it's the premier best-on-best best international event, because you don't go to the Olympics anymore, that's kind <laughs> of true, actually. It is. <laughs> Even yeah. though, since I've been alive, there have been two World Cups of hockey. One of them when I was two years old, and another one with six countries and two fake teams. And one of the fake teams actually being the highlights of the tournament. So, uh, and the other fake team that wasn't the highlight actually making it to the finals and losing. So, that turn- that's such a fever dream in my head. <laughs> it feels like someone made it up, you know? Like, isn't it so... It feels wrong that, like, the Europe team made it to the finals. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah, it is pretty wild. They, the rest they of only, Europe team. They only, they only kind of work as a novelty that gets knocked out in the round robin, let alone mm-hmm. win the fucking silver medal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it'll be. What was the last inter- premier international medal? 2016. That was, was the, the last Cup. World Cup. That, yeah. So they haven't been to the Olympics since. So yeah, we're talking about nine year gap <laughs> between international events for a lot of these NHL players. That's that's insane. Um. And yeah, they're really dragging their feet in terms of growing the sport because uh yeah, think about all the financial opportunities they're passing up on this. It's just uh, it's, it's an embarrassing embarrassing way to run the league. Um. Yeah, and there's no excuse to drag your feet like this. It's ridiculous to just yeah kick it down another year down the road. Who cares? You know, it's just it's only nine years. Um, we're talking about yeah a whole generation of players who have gone throughout their primes uh, without a chance at uh, an international best on best international event. 
and even so, we're not completely convinced it will actually happen in 2025, right? So yeah, um, they it's uh, it's nine years and counting, which is absurd. I think we should make a new uh, premier international best on best tournament, you and me, and never host it, but still say it's the best one. Yeah, we should call it um, the International Hockey Cup Game. IHCG. That's <laughs> the a, International Hockey Cup Game. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, so we've decided to actually postpone this tournament until 2065. No, we'll say 2024, you know, because so <laughs> it's closer than the, the World Cup of Hockey. Nothing's yeah. going to stop us from kicking it back whenever it comes around, but uh, yeah. right now it's uh, we're the next one on the schedule, so we're actually the, the most impending uh, best, on best <laughs> international hockey tournament. Yeah, out of <laughs> all the hockey tournaments that are international best on best that are theoretically upcoming we hope ours is sooner yeah that's right so we're first place and we'll be sending out eventually invitations to all the players <laughs> yeah dear mr mcdavid we would like to invite you to play for team canada at the international hockey cup game no don't even just ihcg we'll figure it out <laughs> fucking figure it out yeah yeah to accept the invitation uh please write back as soon as possible to decline the information the invitation Please write back as soon as possible. <laughs> there we go. Nice. I'm glad we have that laid out. We got to make it declining as hard as possible. That process has got to be... So when they don't come, we can difficult. sue them. Yeah. And then by, we just write, if you do not decline, you accept by default. And we expect your attendance. <laughs> if we have not received your decline letter by tomorrow at sunrise, we will assume you will be paying the $1 million entrance fee to, <laughs> to come to the tournament. We are awaiting your decline at the <laughs> peak of Mount Everest. <laughs> Yours truly. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we... This, 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 these logistics sound great. This is a good business plan. I agree. Um, so, hey, we're still on par in terms of running it as well as the NHL has. And level so. of seriousness. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that's that sucks. It sucks that uh, we won't get to see this because it's always fun, the, the best on best bit. Um, but uh, I haven't seen one since uh, Sochi. I was fucking how old? 12. 12? If we don't count the World Cup? Oh, if you want to count the World Cup. Yeah, I was 15, which was half a decade ago. Uh, mm. So that's, that's, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Every now and then I like to think about if there was like a best on best now, what would the rosters look like? Mm. And you get to because like Team USA, you've never had a best on best Team USA that included like Matthews and Eichel and Gaudreau and like Wierenski and McAvoy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Jake Ottinger would be there now. You know, Team Canada might get away with its fucking goalie shortage, uh, by by just not yeah. having any. Tournaments. Who would even be their goalie right now? I don't. They'd probably call Carey Price again, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> people have Mackenzie Blackwood on their rosters at the beginning of the fucking year. At this very moment, it would probably be Carter Hart. Yeah. He's had a good year. Even without the good year. They're like... <laughs> I guess that's true. Like Jordan Bennington's Canadian. <laughs> Matt Murray. <laughs> Who else? Who else is a fucking... Jake can... Allen, maybe. My God. Bring Jake Allen there. What the fuck? Yeah. Flurry. Mm, yeah, yes. Fucking 41. Major yikes. Cal Peterson. Jesus How about Christ. That? Oh. James Reimer. What a shortage. It's the best we can do. Really? Seriously, straight up. Best we got in this country. That's incredible. Oh, Kemper. Forgot about Darcy Kemper. Oh, okay. So there it is. Stanley Cup winner. Kemper Hart. 
And he's fine. Kemper's good. Kemper, Hart, Jake Allen. Those are our three. <laughs> it's a steep cliff. Yep. It's a precipitous decline. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So there we go. Anyway. Yeah. We've got to talk about the Devils' 11-game winning streak. We have to. And I, th- it's not just for me to brag again about how I said the Devils are going to be good this year. Well, part of it is that. But it's not just that. <laughs> First of all, I was actually wrong because I said they'd be second in the division. And according to Dom LeCision's model, they now have, like, they're the most likely to finish in first in the division, so I actually undershot a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, what I would I think any time a winning streak gets into double digit territory is when it gets into like like the main story in the hockey world, you know, and it's like at the point where every time the Devils are playing now, this all eyes in the hockey world are on that game saying, are they going to keep the streak alive? And I think that's super exciting. And even as a neutral observer, it's very exciting to root for the streak to to keep going. And we're getting to the point where everyone's eyes are on the like 92 Penguins or whatever year it was, 17-game record going, can they be the team that finally gets there? I'm going to say yes. Right now, I'm saying they can do it. They look great. They look dominant on the puck um, all the time. And let's look at their schedule. You know what I said? I made that prediction without even fucking looking at their schedule. I, was, I looked at their I schedule earlier. No idea. Their yeah. schedule... Is uh, it's okay. Okay, let's hear it. It's okay. Let me pull yeah. it up again. Upcoming their next six games, which they would need to win all of them to tie the record. Uh, Ottawa tomorrow, Edmonton Monday, Toronto Wednesday, Buffalo Friday, Washington Saturday, and then the Rangers the Monday after that. Those are the next six. And then what's the record-breaking game? Is Nashville on December 1st. Okay, so that's a slam dunk. I've never been more confident in my life. Uh, one of the major obstacles is beating the Leafs again. You yes. can do that. Just did that last night. Um, just play the same kind of style you did. But it's not like they're playing Boston or Colorado or any yeah, great team. Absolutely. It's the, the Oilers are the second best uh, out of that bunch. right? And then mm-hmm. a whole bunch of fucking scrubs. Um, well, I want to go call the Rangers scrubs. I would. Uh, so where 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 are the I heard the Rangers are underwhelming. So I'm they're I'm, underwhelming. They're not like out of it or anything. Yeah, but I'm always quick to jump on the Rangers. Yeah, you I'm, are. I, I, I am. I am not sold. I will never be sold on this fucking team. Um. So yeah, they just lost to the Kraken. How embarrassing is it? Now, granted, the Kraken have been good, but eight six and four sub sub five hundred. It's a bad team. Boo. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I am. I am convinced. I'm on this one. And uh, I'm saying they will reach 18 because I am that confident in the way this team looks. They are rocking, socking in the regular season. They get to 18. The next two games after that are the Flyers and the Blackhawks. Okay, they will get to 20. (laughs) And then the Islanders and Rangers. They'll get to 22 (laughs) with their eyes closed. (laughs) And then it's the Dallas Stars. Do they read the Dallas Stars? Well, the Stars are good. Yeah, are we saying the streak ends with the Dallas Stars on December 13th? Could be, you know, like... uh, at twenty two, um, what well, the the stars are leading the Pacific, uh, the Central right now. You are real, realizing right now. You are predicting the current win streak, which is notable enough that everyone's talking about yeah. it, will be doubled. That's correct. <laughs> I am. I, <laughs> okay, I think I think twenty. I, I I can see them slipping up in game like twenty, you know, and like losing it there. But I am very convinced that they will make it to eighteen. You know, they're not saying it's gonna be easy. Man, I hope I am, so, but I don't I think am, they do. I'm set. I think this team is motivated as shit. This See, is not like Colorado where they know they're good and they can take their foot off the pedal. This is a newly good team who's playing out of their minds and who wants to continue this and they're very motivated to keep this up. I, I think more so than your typical like 
oh, it's a dynastic team. They're like head and shoulders above everybody else. But those teams can take a night off every now and then. This team is young. They're, they're energized and they're rolling. They are fucking rolling. Uh, wave after wave, all four lines. So I'm bought. I wish I could be as confident as you yeah. that they get that they break the record. I don't think it's gonna happen. I think they fucking lose to Ottawa tomorrow. <laughs> uh, you know um, what? The, but I, I see it. Yeah, go ahead. Do you remember in the sixteen seventeen season, there were a bunch of like long winning streaks happening like right around each other, and like Minnesota and Columbus were both on like fifteen game winning streaks at the same time and then played each other. I was gonna say I thought that was more recent. I was, I was tw- gonna bring that up, but I that was like December 2016, January 2017. Was that far back? Because I remember it. Yeah, that like, was the year Columbus broke onto the scene and was like yeah. rocking and like, uh, but obviously, and then like in the middle of the winning streak, John Durrell was like so mad at them, and they had a players meeting with him like, "You need to chill. We're on like a 12 game winning streak or something." <laughs> um, but yeah, that winning streak, which I'm looking at it right now, um, they that ended, uh, so they had 16 wins in a row. One more win needed to tie the record. Yeah. They lose 5 nothing to the Capitals on January 5th. So the pressure of, you know, going down in history got to them. Yeah. The Devils are above that. I am... Um, you think so? Yeah. Did you see what... Someone asked Jack Hughes about, like, some question implying there was, like, a part of the game that, like, they weren't very good at. He was okay. like, well, we're on a nine-game heater, so I think we're doing okay. That's an unfortunate quote. It is, um, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I don't like it. But uh Yeah, how's that for a winner's mindset? Yeah, straight up. Come on. Come on. G- get down and dirty, Jack Hughes. Improve yourself. Get on that improvement my mindset, grind set. Uh but uh I still have faith. In conclusion, I really hope the Devils do break this record. And they will. Rest assured. How sure I are you assured? Oof. I would say 47%. Rest assured. I am so sure. Like under 50. You know what? Fine. I'm coming to the bid. I'm going 97. No, 100. I'm 100% confident that they will win the next seven fucking games with their eyes closed. All right? If I had to put odds on them actually breaking this record, I'd give it 6%. Okay. I would say 30% astoundingly high that they win seven games in a row. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Because I'm when you really it. think about it, Randy, even a good team, winning seven games in a row, even against teams that aren't so great in general, is really freaking hard to do. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. You don't see it often, even seven-game winning streak. That's why 11 ones are, are kind of crazy. That's why we're talking about it so much. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I'm bought. They're going to win another fucking seven. All right, well, go Devils go. Yeah. Uh, keep on rocking your situation. Thomas Attar is killing it too, of course. Our favorite. Uh, I saw an article by Mikey Stevens that was like John Marino was the devil's missing piece. <laughs> anyway, I actually think it was half decent goaltending, but anyway. Vitek. Yeah. Jack. Or just anyone but John Gillies and Nico Dodd. <laughs> uh, before yeah. we get to the trivia this week, I want to shout out myself for making the greatest <laughs> fantasy trade. Of all time. Yeah. Okay. So someone's, someone's laying it on a bit thick. Okay. I've got to say. So my team, it's it's funny because, I'm well, first of all, I'm in second place out of 12, which is very good. But my team, this was the case last year as well, for whatever reason, has a tendency to play up or down to my opponents just the exact right amount. Where when I'm playing a great team, my players have a great week and I win by a little bit. When I'm playing a shit team, my players have a shit week, but I still win by a little bit. 
Uh, and it's kind of concerning, and it caught up to me in the playoffs last year. Uh, I did not win the league. Uh, and so far, the same pattern is emerging. So I was like, I need to, I need to make a change. I propose someone. I offer Patrick Kane for JT Miller. It gets countered. Uh, the guy wants Patrick Kane and Roman Yossi for JT Miller and Patrick Lyon. I'm like, okay. Okay, I'm not giving you Roman Yossi. Let's chill out a little bit. I'll give you Patrick Kane. I'll sell high on Eric Carlson. I'll throw in William Carlson, who I picked up today off the free agency wire. And I want JT Miller, Patrick Laine, and the underachieving Jonathan Huberto. And it was accepted. And I was so shocked and overjoyed uh, that I was actually able to sell high on Eric Carlson and get tremendous value right before he's about to, you know, regress back to earth eventually, you would think. <laughs> and uh, I also was able to acquire low on Jonathan Huberto, who was inevitably going to start scoring at a point a game again sooner or later. Uh, this is the, the ch- boost my team will need to guide me to victory. And I know it's a good trade because Taisei is distraught about it. It's not good. It's not good for me. Uh, that's unfortunate. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like a contender has... You know, you talk about you being clutch and winning uh, despite scoring nothing. Scoring very low low relative to the rest of the league. Um, I've been doing the opposite. I'm like the third highest scorer right now, and I'm fucking out of the playoffs. Yeah, seventh place. Miserable, miserable. Uh, and yeah, I need to pick it up. And uh, this this does not do wonders for me. I don't like the trade, and uh, it is only the the thinnest of of my will that keeps me from objecting to it. But I won't do it. Uh, Too late. It already went through. Oh, it did. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I uh I object to it in spirit. I'll put that on the record. Okay. Well. Now that we have it uh, recorded how smart I am at fantasy hockey, time for trivia. I threw this one together in class this morning. Nice. It's called, uh, which one of these two players has more goals so far this season? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll name two players. You answer the question. All right. All seven right. on ten? Yeah, well, seven on ten. All right. It's extremely straightforward and My simple. My God. Yeah. Bo Horvat, Tage Thompson. Ooh. No, Borhovat's gonna cool down a bit. Tage Thompson's a menace. Tage Thompson. Wrong. Oh fuck. Tage Thompson's got twelve goals. Horvat's got fourteen. Okay. I don't think he's cooled down at all, actually. Oh, yeah. That's unfortunate. Next up. Tage Thompson's a monster. Nico Hischier. Yeah. Nick Suzuki. Say Nick Suzuki. Correct. Nice. Nick Suzuki's got 11 goals yeah. to Hischer's 9. Suzuki's actually on like a 50-goal pace right now. Yeah, yeah. That, that, whole, that, line, that whole line is really... Kirby Doc to... rocks. Yeah, I know. That's... <laughs> uh-huh. Crazy. Mm-hmm. I guess that was a great trade after all. Yeah, worked out. Yeah, Chicago's dumb. Anyway, <laughs> next up, Sebastian Ajo, Jack Eichel. Oh, this feels like a slam dunk, like I should pick Jack Eichel, but maybe I haven't really been tracking the, the Hurricanes. Um, I'm going to say Jack Eichel. Correct. Aho's got eight. Eichel's got ten. Okay, yeah, he's been doing well in Vegas. Nazem Kadri, Alexander Barkov. Nazem Kadri. I know Barkov's been bad. Correct. Kadri, 7-4. Okay. Next up. (laughs) 7-4. Yeah, go ahead. Matthew Kachuk, Jake Gensel. Jake Gensel's been bad, hasn't he? Yeah, so Matthew Kachuk. Jake Gensel's got nine goals. Oh, never mind. Matthew Kachuk has six. Ugh. Yikes. Blew that one. Yeah, just a tire. Three for five. So you got to not do that again. You got to go four for five for you right now. Let's roll. Next up, William Nylander, Andrei Svechnikov. 
Man, I don't know what mind games you're trying to play with these selections. Or they're just... I don't play any mind games. Nah, Two players who are about as good as each other, more or less roughly. <laughs> Nylander and Sveshnikov. Sveshnikov. Correct. Sveshnikov's okay. got 12 goals. Nylander's got 8. All right. All nice. Right. We're rolling. JT Miller, Rupe Hintz. I haven't heard anything about Rupe Hintz this year. JT Miller. JT Miller's got 10. Hintz has got 8. Okay. Hintz has actually been tearing it up, though, with Jason Robertson right. lately, though. Good for him. So... All right. Doing well now. Yeah. On a on, uh, pace. All right. Patrick Kane, Matthew Barzal. Oh, this is fake. Barzal is like one goal or some shit. No, he was like shooting like 2%. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, with Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane's got two goals. <laughs> Matthew Barzal, zero. <laughs> oh, he's zero. Okay, he's never mind. Zero, go- but uh, he's over a point a exactly. game. Exactly. <laughs> he has the craziest assist. <laughs> he's got 19 yeah. assists in 18 games. Oh, that's insane. <laughs> Nuts. Um, all right, so you've got to get one of these last two. Okay. Brett Ritchie or Sam Steele? Oh, come on. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> what the fuck am I... What are, uh... Brett Ritchie. Correct. Let's go. Brett Ritchie's got four goals. Sam Steele's got two. Nice. So you win the quiz. Last question. Yeah. Oliver Ekman Larson or Mark <laughs> Edward Vlasic? Huh. Sounds fun. I feel like Vlasic scored a goal. I don't... I'm going to say Vlasic. Uh, Oliver Ekman Larson has one goal. Marco Vlasic has zero. Okay, I was wrong on that. Too, <laughs> you sure were. <laughs> All right. Congratulations. That was a super fucking fast one. Hell yeah. I'm just breeze right by it. Yeah. Yeah, and you got a 7 on 10 exactly. Yeah, nailed it. Good mm-hmm. shit. All right. Right, above, right above the 5 on 10. So, nice. Okay. Well, I'm glad... Uh, Brett Ritchie pulled it up in clutch for me, scoring four goals like that. Yeah, way to go, Brett. Yeah, good shit. So, yeah. Anything else? It's a pretty slow news week, all things considering. And uh, we have to pick a team for next yeah, week. Was, yeah, so. What are, who's interesting us? Let's just do a good team this week. I need to wash the blue jacket off of me. Um, We've never covered Carolina. All right, I could. I'm down for some Carolina action. Yeah, I think that's the last remaining good team. I think we can eventually move off of this list and just start a new. Probably, but But Hurricanes are a good one. Let's just make sure they're playing enough this week. They've got three games or so. Uh, I'm opening their website right now. Um, Oh, that's interesting. Hurricanes.nhl.com is presented by UNC Health. So they're playing the Wild tomorrow. Yeah. And they're playing the Jets on Monday. They're playing the Coyotes on Wednesday. Mm. So that sounds good to me. Yeah, it does. Where is... Oh, I don't get to see the... I still haven't... I don't think I've watched the game in that Arizona arena yet. And this this mm. game's in Carolina. So... I watched some highlight packs from Mullet Arena. Yeah. Mullet. You can't really tell it's so tiny. Ah, uh, shame. Mm. Oh, well. Uh, save it for another week then because... Uh, well, I mean watching the Coyotes for another week in their stadium because we'll be watching the Hurricanes. Yep. Yep. That sounds a good batch. Wild and Jets. I like that. Yeah. Glory's out, eh, for a bit, so... Yeah. Ugh. Ugh, that's not good. good luck Philip to them. Huh? Is that who's, uh, who's up? Yeesh. Yikes. Yikes, Minnesota. <laughs> Oof. Okay. All right. Um, is that it? I think so. Do you want to do the sign off this time? Yeah, I was gonna say we we changed up the intro. It's time to change up the the ending too. How do I? I guess the fact that I'm doing it is a switch up enough. Uh, so yeah. Let's see. I guess uh that's that's it for us. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, that was very boilerplate. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. Hit subscribe. Give us a like. Leave a comment. Uh, follow us on Instagram or the Twitter before it fucking collapses. Uh, and 
Yeah, thank you very much. We'll see you next week for Carolina Week. Do you want to say the end? The end.